the New York Artist Collective podcast. This next one's about. Hi there, and welcome to the New York Artist Collective podcast. This next one's about. I am your host, Stephanie Manns, singer-songwriter and co-producer of the New York Artist Collective. If you haven't checked us out before, this is a podcast about songwriting and I interview some of the best musicians out there to talk about the story behind one of their songs and then we hear a bit more about how they got to where they are now and what's coming up next. Today on the show, I had the great pleasure of speaking with DC-based musician Heather May. Heather is an award-winning songwriter who is unfazed by typical pop artist standards. She is a self-described social justice songwriter and tackles LGBTQ, mental health, self-love and women's rights issues. Now, in the midst of this COVID-19 global pandemic, she's here to talk about a song from her album called Glimmer. And the song is I'm Still Here. And we talk about how this song has taken on a new meaning for her during this time. Heather May. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to talk to you. It's been quite some time since we met. I think I feel like it was maybe October last year. Yes, it was. It was exactly October. <laughs> Excellent. My memory has not failed me yet. Nope. Um, cool. Well, yeah, that was such a powerful show. And so Angela, uh, my good friend and co-producer Angela Ilya, um, opened for you uh, for that show. And, she, you know, she had been such a big fan of yours and she'd reached out to you, I believe, um, to, to ask if you had a support slot. And yep. so this was the first time I'd seen you and heard of your music. And, I, you know, I know that you hear this a lot, but it was such a different show than I'm used to seeing. It was yeah. so engaging. It was so emotional. Um, you are so connected to your music and to the audience and whether or not they know you that by the end, they they come to know you and they all come to love you. Um, mm. So it's such a pleasure to chat to you. And I want to talk to you about so many things. <laughs> and obviously, we are in the middle of a pandemic. Um, oh, boy. That is just sweeping the world um, mm -hmm. and changing the face of music as we know it. Uh, so I want to talk to you about that a little bit, too. However, yeah. I tell you what, how about we start let's start the podcast the way that we normally do and we talk about one of your songs and then we'll talk about you know I was gonna say all that fun stuff that's usually how I I say it but we'll talk about COVID-19 and everything else yeah <laughs> um you know after that so you are going to talk about your song from your latest album uh Glimmer and the song's called I'm Still Here which feels very apropos for what's going on in the world right now um, mm. so when I wrote, so the, the entire album Glimmer, um, is a, is a tool masked as a, a record. Mm -hmm. Um, so in 2016, I came out with my first EP and, uh, I was, I came out in multiple ways. I announced to the world that I'm queer and proud of it. And um, that I'm fat and proud of that too, and political and a feminist and angry about what's happening in the world and proud of that all too. And um, it was my start of being a social justice songwriter. And it was a a big change in my career. Um, and through, you know, that was really started because I got nodules in my vocal cords in 2013 um, after, you know, just really getting started in my career. And that totally just threw me just completely. And I made a vow that I would write 
social justice music for the rest of my life if I got my voice back, which I did. And so I released my first EP, I Am Enough. And it was despite all of these like messages of social justice and feminism and Black Lives Matter and um, LGBTQ rights, uh, you know, at the merch table, always the same thing. Didn't matter what they came to talk to me about. My fans always, you know, they kept coming back to this one topic, which was mental health. And Mm -hmm. I had never actually come out about being bipolar. You know, I um, was so afraid of being the crazy one in the room that I just hid it, even from my fans. And I came home from like that tour. You know how songwriters, we like do the tour circulation. You finish Mm -hmm. out an album, you know, it's life. And it's like, okay, I can't keep promoting the same album. (laughs) Like it's time to go home, stop touring for a minute and just start and go into recording mode. And I finished my like last show of that, of the I am enough like circulation. And it was, there was 800 women in the room and it was, it was my biggest, uh, in room, you know, like not a festival, like the festival, like festivals you play and there could be like thousands of people, but you know, there's like the guy in the back who's like getting a funnel cake and like the kids like climbing in rivers and like you know, there's usually a lot of tons of people talking. So not everybody is sitting there listening to you. And my last show of I Am Enough, it was 800 women, like so quiet in a room that you could hear like a pin drop. It was so, it was such a beautiful manifestation of like all the hard work I had put into that album. And I I went home and it was so (laughs) quiet in my home. And I just went into this like horrible depression. Um, and I'm somebody who has bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. It's pretty normal, you know, and I like have all the things that I do and I'm, I have the medicine and, you know, I just go into my psychiatrist and we change the like milligrams and all that stuff. And then I, you know, there I, ha- I have my things I do, you know, my regimen. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking about what I wanted to, you know, I probably need to make another album. It's really hard for me to write when I'm in a low episode. And this was the longest and deepest low episode I'd had since having nodules on my vocal cords. And I just kept hearing the stories from my fans. And I realized that like, I don't know if it was God or my muse or whatever it was, told me to write an album about mental health. Um, so with the help of my psychiatrist and therapist and my amazing partner, um, at the time I now, now my, my husband, I call them, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, and my family, I went off of my medication and for about eight months, I wrote about the struggle of dealing with mental illness. Um, I allowed myself to go into like one of the most darkest places, the darkest corners of my mind, um, in a controlled setting, obviously everybody knew who was on my team. Like they all knew. Um, and I let myself go as manic (laughs) as I, um, needed, you know, in order to write the songs I did. And the song that is the, there actually is a song called glimmer on this, on the album. Um, it is the title track, but the glimmer of light on my album glimmer is the song I'm still here 
by far. It was Mm -hmm. the song that I wrote in probably a day, maybe like not even maybe like five hours or something. Um, and the, what the, um, what you hear on the album, those lyrics, that melody, the piano, that is what the, what it sounded like. That was what was written, um, as it was coming out of me. And it's my, you know, it's my little golden star on the album because I literally say I'm still here. And when I found those three words as they were coming out of me writing it, um, I was just, you know, just sobbing with joy and pride that I, you know, was gifted the song, but also hell yeah, I am still here. Mm. <laughs> and I it's could hear, a... oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's, it's such a battle cry. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I knew, you know, um, I knew that when I was writing that, that I was going to have my, I call my fans, my amazing humans. Um, I knew that my amazing humans, they were going to be screaming it in their car. You know, they were going to be crying in the shower. They would be giving themselves like therapy baths, (laughs) and like laying on their floor of their homes, you know, um, Mm. And waking up in the morning after a week of laying in bed and like opening up their blinds and being like, I'm still and singing that song. You know, I knew it. And I was so um, I was so I, I'm still so honored that I was given that song to to be the one that carried that message. Talk to me about the response that your fans have to your songs. And, you know, you were talking about how they will come up to you at the end of a show and they will tell you what your songs have meant to them and how it has helped them through that period and this emotional release that they go through. How does, and also how does that feel for you on the other end? Because you've, you know, just finished an incredibly emotional show and set and a lot of artists after finishing a set like that, you know, when you're giving so much of yourself to the performance are so exhausted by that. They're, you know, they, they just sort of kind of want to go away from people. Not me. But that's not you. No, no, no. way. No, <laughs> I almost want to get to the end of the show so that I can go hang out with them. <laughs> I'm like, this is all good and fun, but can we just like hang out? And can I just hug you and tell you how magical you are? <laughs> I mean, you saw the my merch table in New York City, and it's it's my favorite. It's my favorite part. But I mean, I'm just gonna be real. Like, I'm the baby of four, you know, and I grew up uh, a fat kid always have been a fat kid. Um, but I, there was a time in my life when I was not happy about that because at some point somebody told me that I shouldn't be, um, not my family. My family has always been super supportive of every part of me. Um, whether it be me being queer or a songwriter or, um, not fat and, but in society, you're not supposed to like yourself if you're fat. And so, you know, in my world, you know, I start at some point in like around like fourth grade, I started proving myself all the time, proving myself and wanting to be friends and like wanting to have love and comfort. Um, just let me be cool or normal or just, you know, anything other than this weirdo, you know? And so now I'm this like performer. And so of course I want to be at my merch table where people come up to me and they give me hugs because my music 
the thing that I create with my voice in my hands, you know, helps them. And, you know, I have friends, you know, and, and people who it feels like my fans are, you know, my family. And like, I 100% know that's like a part of it too. You know, I love my merch table because my amazing humans are <laughs> the best misfits in the world. <laughs> they are, you know, a lot of them are LGBTQ. They're um, women who have gone through hell and back again. They're trans, they're non-binary, they're, um, you know, people with disabilities. Uh, they're people um, who uh, are, they're people of size. They're women who are butch, older lesbians. They're, um, yeah, it's just amazing meeting them at the table and being like, I'm a weirdo. And they're like, me too. And it just feels like for a moment, it's, we really feel like we're the cool ones. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Is that, yeah. Is that yeah. weird? No, no. <laughs> I'm, you know, <laughs> world's biggest nerd. I totally get that. <laughs> That's by far and away the biggest compliment as a songwriter is for somebody to say, how much your song means to them that 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 it relates to them in a way that you aren't even you weren't even thinking about when you wrote it you know um all right let's take a listen to I'm still here and then um we'll chat more about so many so many things we're getting so into we're sort of touching so many topics and I'm so curious um this is Heather <laughs> this is Heather May and I'm still here This running and racing, I forgot that I've got two feet and I'm proud of where I've been. Bruised and I'm tired and burned by the fire, but I've kept moving. And in all of this running and racing, I forgot that I'm still here. So busy just asking and begging. When does the good start? When will I arrive? Wasting my time rushing through life, too blind to see that I'm still alive. And in all of this running and racing, I forgot that I'm still
still here. Now, I'm so curious that you called yourself a social justice songwriter. And I don't feel that we've had so many of those since like the 60s in like Greenwich Village, Bob Dylan and that whole crowd of people. That crew. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm -hmm. the, like the really, really cool cats who kind of started it when, you know, you could you could afford to live in Greenwich Village as an artist, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> What's that like? Oh, so real. But, you know, we were talking about, you know, you, you struggle with bipolar and you're LGBTQ and you're, you self-describe as, as fat. Um, how, um, I'm, I may just take a pause here. How am I supposed to describe that? Is, is that like, I don't, I don't like this. Actually, so this is a really great opportunity. Let me just tell you. And you can just say you're fat because we, it's not offensive. I've already called myself. You don't even have to say. But so many people think that it is. I know. So many people think that it is. And it's ingrained in your mind that it is. Yeah. But it's not. If somebody self-identifies as fat, you don't have to say self-identify as fat. You say you're fat. It's not a slur. It's just my body. It's not like, can I call you tall? Am I allowed to call you tall? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. It gets, it gets me every time. Okay. But yeah, you could just literally... <laughs> Sir, can I call you tall? In my life, it's like, ma'am, may I call you fat? It's like, oh, how dare you? But like, I identify as it, ma'am. May I call you a redhead? I'm like, yes, yes, you may. You know, it's not a fat to me is not a slur. Um, and it's I know it comes from the sweetest place in ever in your sweetheart, um, because in our minds, fat is terrible because to be fat is the worst thing. It's like sluggish and because we've been told this tired because <laughs> we've been taught it right exactly I mean like even me like I hated the word fat until I like realized that wait a second that was just a rule that I adhered to but I'm a I'm a human I'm allowed to choose <laughs> what I what I do and don't what I agree and what I don't you know I have body autonomy and brain autonomy and I choose to be like wait but that's the best descriptor for me I am fat <laughs> So, yeah. But in terms of the music industry, it's not something that we see very much of. No, absolutely not. Define beauty standards and yet being successful. Yes, absolutely. Particularly as a as a woman. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it. I myself, even now, like I still, still am like trying to figure out that line of like body autonomy and like what is sexual, what level of like sexual objectification am I like okay with because there's there's certain things that I am super not okay with and like fetishizing like what am I okay with like because at the same time I'm super sex positive and I know that you know people are just into like what women who look like me but only certain people and like it's a really it is as trying to navigate the world of a woman I'm just going to be real right now trying to navigate the world of being a female like pop performer 
I mean, I might be social justice, but I am definitely like a piano pop artist, right? I like write power ballads. That's what I do. And to be, try and be a female artist, pop artist, and navigating the world as like a fat woman who loves wearing crop tops, who really enjoys being naked. Like how I do that while also, you know, it's, it's real complicated. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure it out, you know, because there's like all this, like, I don't even know if we really want to get into it, but there's like all this like backlash about like fat people um, being naked Mm -hmm. online. And like, you don't have to do that. Like, why are you doing that? And it's like, well, nobody looks at skinny women like who are models and being like, you don't have to do that. I mean, there are some people who definitely do it, but the majority of society is just like, oh, damn, she looks good. Right. But I'm not kidding you when Mm -hmm. I say that like 60% of the feedback I get in my DMs when I post photos that are like, I mean, it's literally just a photo of me in like a bikini, you know, during the summertime and my stretch marks Mm -hmm. are out and people are like, you know, you really don't, you can be body positive and not post that. Wow. (laughs) I'm like, oh yeah, I, I know. And I'm, those people are awesome. Those are my friends. I have tons of friends who are body positive and, you know, they're fat and they're posting things just, you know, not that, you know, they're not out there, but I, this is my version of body positivity. You know, it's the same thing for women. It's like some women, it's like their version of feminism is like the Dolly Parton version of feminism. You know, mm-hmm. it's like they are proud of their bodies and they're taking it back and they're like walking the streets at night wearing whatever they want. They're not afraid, you know. And then there's like the other side of feminism, which is, you know, don't be like that and cut your hair short, especially popular in the lesbian community, like in the 60s, 70s, 80s. was like, if you're a lesbian, you have to have short hair. And they would like our own community beat up our own people for having long hair. You know, it's like this anti-femme movement. So it's just everywhere. It's like there's everybody's trying to define their own version of body positivity, feminism. And as a fat pop artist (laughs) who loves being naked and loves my body, (laughs) but also believes that everybody is just trying to survive and be happy. And so we just should stop judging one another. What I love about you is you have leaned into all of these things that make you different and you celebrate them. And, you know, there's still a lot of people who are not there yet and struggle with how to be authentic, but kind of keeping back what feels safe because of all of this judgment that goes right. on. Yeah. There are groups of women that gather. And even when we are talking about oppression, we will find subgroups of oppressors and oppress and 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 we will create oppression and white women and and women of color for example um in the lgbtq community it's for gay men for example you are there is so much body phobia about what a gay man's body should look like and you know like there's that phrase it's like no fatties no fats mm-hmm. no femmes right and Like my gay friends, my guy friends who are gay, like they, the stuff that they have told me, I mean, it's just as bad as like fat women 
who are trying to love themselves mm-hmm. and these like trolls mm-hmm. come out and they don't even show their my trolls don't even show their face but in the gay men's community they show their face and they look at them and then say like nobody's going to want to have sex with you like straighten up your thighs like get it, get it tight it's i mean it's nuts it's like oppressed groups when they find equality will always create sub oppressed groups it's nuts yeah it's almost sort of that rupaul bitchiness but real mm-hmm. like everyone loves oh, yeah. rupaul's put downs but it's mm-hmm. like real but it's real it's super real <laughs> I know. And so I love it. Like my I have a a couple of friends who actually live in New York and, you know, they're kind of like on the spectrum of like plus size. uh, I guess I would say like the body spectrum. They're they're like airing towards plus size and um, they proudly declare themselves as thick with uh, two C's. (laughs) And they're like, I and they're just coming out about loving their bodies. They just, they're just, I don't care. And they have shown me some of the comments that they've gotten and the messages. And it's really beautiful. This like revolution of body positivity is not just affecting like, first off, it was started by black women. (laughs) It's just, I just need to like, just give props Mm -hmm. where props are due. This body positive movement was started by curvy black women. And it was taken Mm -hmm. hold of by women who look like me who are like, you know, small fats, um, who just, we just took it and ran with it. And now it is just everywhere. Like every group is trying to find some version of it for themselves. And um, yeah, I don't even know where we were going with that, but I just love talking about this shit. I could talk about anything. What do you want to talk about, Stephanie? (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about COVID-19. I want to talk oh about, I know, it's it's like the topic of the moment. Um, I don't want to say topic du jour because someone I used to work with said that all the time and it used to drive me crazy. Um, <laughs> but now I've just, I've just, I've just thrown it up there. But no, it's, it's obviously, it's literally everywhere. Yeah, it is my everything right now. It's nuts. And it's affecting everyone. So what is it, what is it meant for you? I mean, like, t- talk to me about the gigs that have been canceled, like your livelihood. Like, tell me what, what it looks like for you right now. Well, right now it just looks like a big gray dust up ahead. I'm just really not sure what's going to happen. So I tour probably about 60% of the year. I'm just like out. Um, I don't live in my van. I mean, my my partner, you know, um, has a full-time job working on the Hill, Capitol Hill, for those that don't know what that is, in D.C. Mm-hmm. And um, works for the Senate. And, you know, so that's my home base is here in DC. Um, but I am constantly on the road all the time. And on March 11th, I played my last show, um, in Chicago and the morning after Chicago, we drove, um, actually the night of the Chicago show, we drove all the way to Pittsburgh, which is a ridiculous thing to do and I don't suggest anybody do it (laughs) but we like left at 11 and then got to Pittsburgh around like 7 a.m and got in a hotel crashed me my tour manager crashed for like a couple hours I woke up and I looked at my email and in my email there were like four emails from my agent saying that gigs the next week were canceled and all these gigs were gigs that were gonna pay my bills because I had just finished a pretty big tour um, up and down the west or up and down the middle of the coat, the excuse me, 
up and down the middle of the coast, the middle of the, middle of the, <laughs> the country. I did a run in Texas. Um, I was trying out markets that I I don't normally play because I don't really have a very big fan base there. But I had some fans who were really excited about me coming. And I had just done this really big campaign asking my fans, like, listen, amazing humans, if you really want me to come to your town, I need you to buy your tickets ahead of time. And <laughs> oh my gosh, now it just seems ridiculous because I got home and three months worth of gigs were just absolutely gone, just obliterated. You know, it's so surreal. The thing that puts gas in my tank and like helps me repair my instruments, mm -hmm. the thing that helps me pay my bills, I mean, <laughs> pay me, puts food on my table, um, is the thing that makes people sick. And by that, you mean people congregating in crowds? Yeah. So I, I, I have worked really hard. I, you know, I started doing this musician thing in New York City, actually. I uh, lived in New York from 2006 to 2011. Um, I started this project called One Year of Songs, where I wrote a song every single day for a year. I did it from my fifth floor walk-up apartment. <laughs> and, uh, I lived with way too many people in Washington Heights in a fifth floor walk-up apartment with no AC. And I wrote a song every day for a year. And then I got a van off of a guy in, on Craigslist named Vance. And I named the van Vance. And then I lived in my car and toured the country for three months and became obsessed with it. Um, and I've been doing that, doing this thing since 2000, you know, 2010. So for 10 years, I have worked every side gig in every industry <laughs> you can think of. I've been a nanny. I've been a soap store seller. <laughs> I have been, uh, I was a bra consultant, a bra specialist is what we called it at Victoria's Secret. <laughs> and then I've painted houses, you know, I have, I have done a lot and I worked in a strip yeah, club. See, that's amazing. I never did anything in that industry. I'm a little upset about that. Um, I, <laughs> I, I have done, yeah, like we work all these weird, odd I did not strip. I'm, I need to point that out. I did okay. not strip. I was a waitress. I needed to point that out. It's funny. I don't know why. I, I knew that's what you meant. I don't know why I knew that's what you meant. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed, though, now that you said that. I'm just kidding. Um, so, but I've done all these things and all this and all the, you know, and all these different industries all so that I could, like, rush home and, like, write and record and then, like, you know, not be distracted while I'm doing that thing, right? Like, that's the whole point is, like, when I'm doing this yeah. thing, I don't want to be doing anything else. I don't want to be worried or stressed about paying my bills. I've been doing this for 10 years. And the last two years, I got to the point where I was doing it full time. I was so proud, you know, and I've been so proud of, oh, my God, it's working as long as I can tour. <laughs> and so here we are. And the thing that I do is gather people together and they're really showing up. It's amazing, you know, and now I'm home. The thing is, is you think that that would catapult me into this, like, as somebody with, you know, bipolar disorder, it would catapult me into a low episode, but it actually has done the exact opposite because of this album. It feels very odd that I released an album that's about mental health for my fans before all of this. You know, it, it used to be that I would wake up, you know, every morning and I would like 
read my messages on, you know, Instagram or wherever emails and stuff that people send me, you know, um, and it used to be kind of the same thing, which is like, I went through this really hard thing and now I listen to smoke signals every day or I lost my mom and I imagine she's singing this to me or, you know, hero makes me, it's like this thing happened. I listened to your song. Now I'm feeling this way or like this thing is happening and I'm listening to this and it makes me feel good. Now, over the last two weeks, the only messages I'm getting are, I am terrified out of my mind. What do I do? This is the biggest depression I have ever been in. My husband lost his job. We have three kids. Uh, I Please, for the love of God, don't you stop doing what you're doing. It's like every message is the same. They are terrified. Everybody is so scared and anxious about what they're doing. It's like, at first I was like, man, this is really going to hit the music industry really hard. And that was so selfish of me because these seniors in high school aren't getting their like senior experience and they're, they might not even be allowed to gather, <laughs> you know, to go to their graduation. I mean, that, that's, that's going to affect you. You know, the parents who can't afford groceries for their kids and for the first time in their life are having to go to a food bank to get food because both of them work in the entertainment business or hospitality and neither one of them have jobs and they can't get unemployment because the website's broken, which is totally a thing, or they're not allowed to gather in crowds and the unemployment office is closed. Like there are so many reasons to be concerned that have nothing to do with music. <laughs> and I realized I had this like, I was saying this to you before we got started that I'm I'm really excited to be able to just talk about this because I I think I'm having like a really intense like revelation in my career which is for so long I for lot for 10 years I have been so self-consumed by how I can become famous you know all of us when we're musicians always like how can I become how can I become famous and yet I've been this whole time, the thing I'm so, con I've been, you know, through therapy, thank God for therapists, I realized that I'm, I'm both, I've been both searching for fame and, and every day reaching for creating a legacy, something to leave behind, you know? And I realized that you, you can't necessarily do both at the same time. Um, at least not when you're a social justice songwriter. <laughs> and for me right now, I, I'm realizing that it is, it is time to go to work. I don't know why I wrote this album when I did, but my fans are listening to it and they're feeling less afraid. And it is my job right now to help. Um, yeah, my gigs are canceled, but there are people who are terrified that their husband's depression is going to come back. And it's going to be really bad, you know, and so they're they're playing my music while they're eating dinner together, you know, to have hope. Um, they're slow dancing to my songs in their kitchen while their kids are asleep because and crying together. You know, like I I get these videos and these messages from my fans and I realize, like, I don't have time to be worried about the fact that I don't have any gigs coming <laughs> coming up. I have got I have got to go to work. So I'm I've been changing everything. I have been focusing more on giving resources. You know, I post, I've been posting and my mailing us and my Patreon, it's all about like 
ways they can, um, I mean, it's just to be honest, it's like stuff that my therapist told me. Like, well, you mean ways to stay alive, you know, to look after your <laughs> mental health? Yeah. yeah. Like ways to defeat anxiety, little exercises that they can do to um, help them, you know, just get through the darkness. Um, the other day I posted like, you know, just how to how to step one in like meditation, you know, like here's what a mantra is, you know, and you don't have to believe anything. You just it's just sometimes it's just nice to, to quiet your mind. You know, you don't have to. It doesn't necessarily have to mean that you have to go to a yoga class, like literally just sit for five minutes and just say, I am alive and just try and quiet your mind and just just say something quietly in your mind over five minutes and just let yourself just sit and then open your eyes and look at your hands and be grateful that you have a body. I've been um, trying to think of ways that I can just (laughs) basically pass off the things like because I know darkness, you know, like as somebody who struggles with mental illness, darkness is like so cheesy now that I'm realizing this like Simon that Simon and Garfunkel, you know, Hello, darkness, my old friend. Like, it's real. When you have mental illness, like, you know it so well. It's like when it's so funny, I give like darkness a gender. But when he starts coming along and he's like, hey, buddy, we're here. It's funny. I don't think of my depression as a she, which is, I should probably dive into that with my therapist. (laughs) (laughs) But, anyways, I, uh, yeah. So, and I just, I, that whole idea of like, of what do you do when you get through to get through the dark? The person that we should be, you know, looking to right now for guidance on that is somebody <laughs> who struggles with mental illness often because they can tell you how to do it. And so I, I'm, I'm sure at some point I'm going to hit my own anxiety, depressive episode. And I'll be honest about that, too. And but, you know, for now, it's so much bigger than music. You know, of course, I'm giving my concerts online. I'm trying to help as much as I can musically, but. Spread hope, not viruses. Yeah, exactly. Stay home and spread hope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and okay, so Heather, if people want to support you and find your music, where can they where can they do that? Well, they can go to heathermay.net um, and I have a merch store on there. It would be amazing. Um, I ship out my CDs. Because that's a great thing people can do right now is to buy merch. Yeah. Like that's, that's Absolutely. money in your pocket right there. Oh, yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> um, and then they can also go to uh, um, my Patreon. I have a Patreon um, for as little as, you know, a dollar. You pretty much get access to everything. Um, and then, um, of course, just Instagram and Spotify. Add me to a playlist. I've been saying that to my fans. If you listen, if you have a playlist that you listen to while you run, just add one of my songs to it, you know? Yeah, and one thing people can do is have their playlist on repeat. So it's making sure that, artists are continually getting played getting a little something getting a little something yeah yeah absolutely oh heather i don't think we've even scratched the surface of the world's problems (laughs) right now and how we could fix them but what a conversation i want to do this again i would love that (laughs) cool well the whole one of the one of our plans was to have you do a new york artist collective show um, that would be amazing. It would be amazing. When we can actually be m- closer than six feet apart, can we do that? Yes. Absolutely, okay, we cool. can do that. I loved how when I met you and you were like, you're so sweet. Can I hug you? And I was like, yes, that that would be acceptable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> Always ask consent. That's real. Consent is consent real. Is real. Oh, amen. Well, Heather, I look forward to seeing what you're going to produce during this period. And don't feel pressure too, because, you know, there's a lot of people being creative right now. And that's great, but don't, we shouldn't feel the pressure to do so. Do you do you? Mm, you always do. And I love you for it. I love you too. You take care of yourself. <laughs> you too. Um, it's been such a pleasure talking to you and we will speak again soon. All right. Bye. Have a May. What a beautiful person. I really had so much fun chatting with her during this podcast, as I'm sure you can tell. I think we may have to do it again very soon. Go and support Heather in whatever way you can. Uh, you can check out heathermay.net to find out more and the details that are, of course, in today's episode. Next week and for the month of April, we are taking the podcast live to Facebook Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. The podcast will be available, of course, on podcast platforms a little after that. But I'm so excited to bring this podcast to you live as we navigate through this coronavirus crisis. I will be talking to some musicians who are obviously affected by coronavirus who've had all of their gigs cancelled and how they're taking their gigs online. Um, some industry experts will also be joining us to talk about how it's affecting the industry. And no doubt we'll get a couple of songs played live by some amazing artists. So make sure you check it out. Now, to do that, there is a link in the episode to join our Facebook group where we will be sharing and streaming this live. So make sure you join. I'm Stephanie Manns. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you live on Facebook next week. New York Artists Collective.